Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn and has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And, and that's really the story for me. Um, and that's that's really what I experienced in my life is that I played golf my entire life. For over 20 years, I was pursuing this sport and ended up pursuing it in my career. And then I reached a point where, in a sense, I actually just wrote a blog post when your dream hits a dead end, right? My dream hit a dead end. And you reach this dead end, you're like, well, what the heck? What am I supposed to do? Is like, I don't know what, what I'm, I, I spent my whole life doing this one thing. How can I do anything else? But when you step back, when you take an objective view of it, when you try to reframe your perspective, you start seeing that I don't have to go all the way back to the start line and start over again. I can take a few steps back and pivot into a new path um, based on the new skills and traits that I have gotten from this journey and apply it in a different field now. How you day, how you day. So the reason I love today's guest and today's podcast episode is because it touches on something that I feel like many of us gloss over. What exactly do you do with your quarter life uh, crisis? You know, what happens when you're 25? What happens as you get to 30? How do you figure out how to approach life, reorganize your goals and re-strategize? Sometimes we want to get to a particular point. We've worked so hard to get there and we get to the point where we actually achieve it and we don't have any fulfillment and we wonder where to go from here how do you navigate the path to life from there so we touch on that and we touch in different ways to set goals different ways to grow and different ways to really approach mastery and how to look at the world through a unique lens so i really hope you enjoy the episode i know that you're going to be inspired and make sure you check out his book everything will be in the show notes but you know what else will be in the show notes yep the link to the masterclass and how to embrace your voice and find out who you are, how to build a paid speaking career, how to build a platform out of your passion. That is happening on December 15th. I'll make sure I put that in the show notes. If you can't make it to New York City, there is an online version as well. So there are multiple ways for you to consume the content. Look forward to seeing you there. Love you all. Enjoy. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of As Told by Nomads, and today's guest is Thane Marcus Ringler. Now, Thane Marcus Ringler is a professional, former, rather, former professional golfer turned writer turned podcaster and entrepreneur. After competing for over three years on different tours all over the United States and the world, he's now taking the professional athlete's mindset to everyday people in everyday life. Through collaboration business he's building, Thane is coming alongside freelancers, business owners, and fellow entrepreneurs to help them be more efficient and effective in the work they're doing. 
He's also passionate about all things fitness, health, wellness, and coffee. We're going to talk about every part of his, his life, but he's got an amazing book, which is called From Here to There, Quarter Life Perspective on Path to Mastery, on the Path to Mastery. That's exactly what this episode is about. Welcome to the show, Thane. Tayo, thanks so much for having me. It's uh, I, uh, I love the breakdown. It was a, uh, it was a, uh, it felt good to hear that. <laughs> well, it, it is, it is your life, and we're going to be talking about the path to mastery here. Um, it's really reminiscent of you know one of my favorite books. Favorite books of all time is actually Mastery by Robert Greene. And mm. and in listening to you, to to you just before we hit record and and your story. Um, I think the audience is going to be fascinated by your background, but take us back to when you first really, really started becoming cognizant of what it is you wanted to do. It sounds like you were a former professional golfer. So what led you down that path and why did you make the switch? Yeah, man, golf was a part of my life since the very beginning. My dad got me started on it when I was, I believe, three or four. I had a club in my hands. I was in the backyard. I was hitting that little white ball around, swinging it. And it would just became a joy and a passion for me. It was one of those things that when your dad plays it, you love just hanging out with your dad. So, of course, you're going to play it. And and I just kind of grew up um, in that realm and, and really in the realm of all sports. And and like so much of life, you know, we, we end up, being shaped and formed and molded by what we end up pursuing. And golf was really my tutor for most of my life. Um, and, and like you said, I ended up getting the chance to play professionally for about three and a half years. Um, and near the end of it, um, to answer your question in regards to transitioning out of it, uh, the, the last year and a half of my career, I ended up facing a systemic injury that kept repeating and it was a muscle strain in my left rhomboid that put me on a journey of learning about human body and human physiology and trying to solve the problem that was my body and through that God just used it that that year and a half of it was about five times where it repeated it it continued to be restrained and part of it was um, in relation to that part of it was treating the symptom and not the root cause, which is also related to life. I mean, so often we, we treat symptoms with band-aids when we're really not getting to the core of what's going on. But the same was true in my body and the injury. So it took three or four times to finally figure out that it wasn't the left rhomboid, but it was the right side from an injury snowboarding when I fell on a rail. And so all of that led me um, to a season of unknown, of unknown whether I'm going to compete or not. And God just used that time of unknown to really redirect my passions and just show me that I believe I can be more effective outside of the field of golf than within it. And that's and that's really what led to the decision at the end of 2017, this last year, um, to kind of transition out into a new path. You know, that that part, the way you just said, you know, the unknown, I think that's that's a big fear for many people. You know, a lot of people are often afraid, you know, when you graduate from college or you graduate from high school, where am I going to go? Who's going to hire me? What am I going to get a job? Or when you get fired. Um, and in that, you know, that transitionary period where people don't necessarily know what they need to do and who they need to turn to, what would you tell that person? Because I find that we all have those moments and sometimes we end up doing what we feel like other people want for us, but not what we want for ourselves. How can we look in, inward and say, hey, 
this is the work I need to do to figure out what my passion is and what my mission is. And I'm committed to doing that. How do we develop that courage to do that? Man, it's great. That is the question, right? And, and it's the question that we have to answer our whole lives. It's not like it changes the older we get. Now, we get better at answering. We get better at understanding ourselves, and that's why it becomes less of a question the older we get. But especially in that college, late college, early career phase, that is the number one question. Everyone's like, I don't know what I want to do with my life. I don't know where I should go. And it's not about knowing the right answer. It's about picking the best answer for you now and committing to it. Because at the end of the day, when you're 20, when you're 15, when you're 18, when you're 20, when you're 25, even when you're 30, you may not know fully what your ultimate purpose is in life. Now, I think we should have a core purpose for everything that we do that underlies everything, but you may not know what my earthly purpose is, what I should do with all of my life, and that's okay. I, I think that's the beauty of it. If we knew the whole story, how boring would life be? So I think the first thing is just reframing it as um, not something that's just an unknown and um, a frightening, scary, unknown future, but seeing it as a future of endless opportunity and possibility. And then it takes a recognizing of your current self and your current skill set. So a lot of that is self-awareness, and it's also receiving objective feedback from others. And so a combination of growing in self-awareness and objective feedback helps you be informed what your current skill set is so that then you can pick a path and commit to it based on your current skill set. Now, the point of all that is to say, it may not be the best path. It may not be the perfect path. And that's okay because you're going to learn, you're going to grow, and you're going to add skills that you didn't formally have. And then that will help empower you into the next path when that comes, you know? And, and that's really the story for me. Um, and that's, that's really what I experienced in my life is that I played golf my entire life. For over 20 years, I was pursuing this sport and ended up pursuing it in my career. And then I reached a point where, in a sense, I actually just wrote a blog post when your dream hits a dead end, right? My dream hit a dead end. And you reach this dead end, you're like, well, what the heck? What am I supposed to do? Is like, I don't know what I'm, I spent my whole life doing this one thing. How can I do anything else? But when you step back, when you take an objective view of it, when you try to reframe your perspective, you start seeing that I don't have to go all the way back to the start line and start over again. I can take a few steps back and pivot into a new path um, based on the new skills and traits that I have gotten from this journey and apply it in a different field now. Wow. Yeah. And it, it, you're right. I mean, it all starts with self-awareness and then really just being introspective enough to to know what it is we like what it is we don't like and what and uh you know getting feedback like you said if you if you don't get feedback you're not giving able to know maybe how to grow and i imagine with you i, I love sports right so uh, sports is one yeah. of the best ways i connect but you know with golf i can imagine when you were hitting you know several shots whether you're putting or, or whatever you are on, on whatever range you decide to use you needed to get feedback to say, you know, your shot goes this way if you use that. You tend to lean that way. You should probably do this more, work in this, uh, work in this swing so you can get better at that. And that type of feedback is something that we sometimes fear because we fear being wrong and we fear being told that we're not enough sometimes. But I think we have to reframe it, like you said, and say, mm. it's all a growth opportunity. Like, first of all, 
who am I truly? Who's Thane Riggler? And who, who Ringler? Who, who who does he strive to be? Who are? Where does he get full joy from? And and how can he put himself in that position where he can continue to have that cup of a float? And um and you know I honestly feel you know I haven't gone through this. I think we're we're not that far apart in age. Um, I haven't gone through some of these things. It's those moments of failure that really hold people back, where they feel like. Mm. If I fall flat on my face, people are going to laugh at me. It's going to be a disgrace. My parents are going to not, not like me. It's going to be suck in front of the, the guy or girl I like and, and it's, or a woman or man, and it's going to be horrible. And, um, you know, I'm curious to know about your life where you might have feared failure and what you did to overcome that. Totally, man. It's a, it's a human malady, right? We all face it. it no one is immune to that. And I actually have a whole chapter in my book on fear because of that. And it's something that God has created and instilled in us. And it is a good thing. That fear response, that natural fear response is a helpful part of our being because it protects us, right? We see a dangerous animal or we're in a dangerous situation. Our body has a series of um, non-conscious physiological functions that just kick in automatically so that our bodies can best be in a state that preserves our life. So, so understanding the, the, the real uh, reason for fear itself and the fear response is helpful for seeing, okay, this is actually a good thing. Now, we have to start understanding where am I activating this fear response in situations that it doesn't need it. And that's where irrational fear comes in, right? When, when fear that doesn't make sense. And that's really the fear of man, like you highlight. At the, at the core of every irrational fear, in my mind, is the fear of other men. And it's viewing others as greater than they really are, you know? I believe everyone is, is equal, created equal for two main reasons. One, that we're created in the image of God. And two, that we're all sinners. And that's a biblical worldview. That's what I operate off of. But because of that, I should view no man as greater than or lesser than the other because of those two things. But when we have a fear of man, we start saying this person's opinion of me in this situation is more important than anyone else's. And because of that, I can't let them down or can't have that. And that, that invades us every single day, you know? And so, um, I, I, it's a, it's a common experience we all face. And I think, for me, um, it really showed up. It, golf is golf is an interesting sport because it is so individualized. It is it, at the end of the day, it all comes down to you and um, your performance and your ability. And you're on a a platform, a, a podium per se. And when when you fail, there is no one else to blame except for you, which is really humbling. And really exposing at the same time. So I think, I think golf was honestly one of the greatest tutors to teach me where my fear of man, um, really was found most. And, and in that, in recognizing that, then we can start seeing it for what it is. And then we then have to preach truth to ourselves. We have to start preaching what really is true about the situation to ourselves until that becomes our default response. And then at that point, um, we can start using fear for our good, actually. And if you look at all the greatest performers on any, um, in any arena, whether it be sports, whether it be music, whether it even be business, speakers, you name it, all of them still experience some of that fear response um, symptoms, right? Their, their heart rate increases, their, 
um, their eyes, their vision narrows, and, and all these physiological functions happen, but they're able to, to not just have that negatively affect them, they're able to use that to positively increase their abilities. It's like kind of becoming Superman, right? Because you're you're leveling up your physiological abilities because you're using that response for good instead of harm. Wow, yeah. That is so true too. And and um I love how you describe golf as a metaphor for life itself. You know, a lot of the solitary sports, tennis, golf, you know, any sport really, it's it's your your you know, you have this mission and sometimes, you know, you fail. And when you fail the decision to either get back up or quit is essentially what happens many times in, in you know people's lives every day. And as you were thinking, I, I was also thinking about the fact that this idea of fear. Um, I, you know, I, I'm a huge Will Smith fan, and sometimes he he says a lot. He he hates feeling afraid because he's noticed that when you face your fears, you start to see true beauty. Because on the other side of fear, mm-hmm. a lot of times is, is actually beauty. You know, whether it's you know you're dealing with your fear, you get to experience something for the first time. You're like, wow, that's. This is what I was afraid of the whole time. I actually can see the whole experience now. And another thing about fear is that I, a lot of times I find that a lot of the fears we take on are not our fears. You know, sometimes it's mm-hmm. our parents' fears or someone else's fears. But if you really sit down, starts with, it goes to your self-awareness point, we're not necessarily afraid of what we think we're afraid of. We're more afraid of whoever's fear we've passed on. You know, I come from Nigeria and a lot of times I was supposed to be a doctor, engineer, or doctor, uh, or um, a doctor, engineer, or what was it? A lawyer. Yeah. And um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking, what was the other uh, career? And then, so, you know, when you graduate, I was graduating, I was thinking, I'm not going to be any of these things. Like, and I was like, I started to, you know, freak out. I had a moment where I freaked out, but I'm, you know, I'm, a, I'm a bit of a rebel, so I, I ended up being the entrepreneur, but. I was like, why am I freaking out? It's, I, I, it's my graduation. I, I'm going to make this choice. But I was like, yeah, but my parents and family and all that. And totally. I think there are many versions of that sometimes. And we just take on all these fears that are not even ours. And we just live life not even expressing who we truly are. And that, that's, that's an interesting totally. paradox. And, and, you know, it's crazy, too, is they, they can start really early. You know, we're so, uh, as children, we're so malleable. And... So many things impact us and carry forward with us that we may not even be aware of. And so what happens when you're a child, maybe it's just the emphasis of your parents. Maybe it's a lack of having parents, whatever it is, all those things can lead to, they can plant the seeds for this, this fear that shows up later in life. And, and a lot of times it's that kind of soul searching, that sitting with yourself with a journal, with a pen and just trying to dig to the core, the root of where do these fears lie? Where do they come from? What is their source? Because a lot of times, if you don't get to the source, like, again, it's just putting a Band-Aid on symptoms, and you're not really cutting it out at its its root. Um, And and I think the other thing I was going to add with what you're saying is fear is and failure is like anything. You get better at it with practice. And so if, if you live your whole life, um, choosing and emphasizing security, um, comfort over challenging yourself and pursuing what you really want to pursue, you're going to get really, really, really bad at facing fears because you're never doing it. You're avoiding them. Yeah. And, and, and likewise, if you consistently choose to, to, to be 
embrace the incomfort, discomfort, and become comfortable with the discomfort and embrace failure and fear for what it is, you get better and better at doing that the more you do it. It's not to say that you know, failure itself is a good thing, but the fruit of failure is a very good thing. We can, I think there's a, there's a balance there, right? Cause you don't want to glorify failure because it's not the failure itself that you're seeking. It's the fruit of the failure that you seek. And, and I think that that's where some people get a little tension on. No, I love it. And you know, if you don't, if you don't fail, uh, you won't learn. And something that you are dedicated to is the pursuit of learning and how to live a good life. You do that with your up and comers, <laughs> Uh, podcast as well as your book. So can you, let's transition into why this is something that you're ridiculously in pursuit of, you know, when it's <laughs> people. What, Man, I, yeah, I love it. I, yeah, I am so, you know, it's crazy. I, I'm so passionate about it now. And it's funny because even, and what I share in my book and, and what kind of the, the podcast even highlights is, is we're learning how to live a good life. Well, I, to be honest with you, I didn't truly learn how to learn <laughs> until late in college, believe it or not. I, I grew up, um, a, a little bit ahead of my peers in, in my class, uh, due to probably my parents just, um, doing a good job raising me and teaching me at a young age where school was pretty easy for me. You know, the game of education was really a breeze. I, I was good at getting good grades, which, if you think about education, you're receiving, you're receiving an education. It's a, it's a passive thing. But learning, learning is not a passive endeavor. Learning is an active endeavor and it takes a lot of fighting. It takes a lot of work. And so it wasn't until college that I really later, it wasn't even the start of college because, because I was so good at, at the game of getting good grades, I never really learned how to learn. And so now, now that I've, my eyes have kind of been open to learning how to learn, um, both through the game of golf, through reading a lot of good books, and through consuming a lot of information now with podcasts, um, and, and really anything you can get your hands on, uh, it, it has shown me that this is a skill that I want to cultivate uh, my entire life. I, I really want to earn the title of being a lifelong learner, and I'm in the pursuit of that now. Um, and so... The podcast has been an awesome opportunity for that. It's called The Up and Comer Show, and it's really, um, you know, it's about the grind from the grind, about the process from the process, because our, our whole motivation with the show, me and my co-host Adam, was, um, you know, a lot of podcasts out there, uh, some of my favorites, like The Tim Ferriss Show is probably my favorite of all time, mm -hmm. and it's a great podcast, so much amazing information but a lot of it is from people who have already accomplished what they set out to do, right? And so they're speaking retroactively, retrospectively to the process, to the grind. And so I, it felt like there was a void. And, and it's cool because it's similar to what you're doing, right? It's a very comparable uh, model as, as, even, as even what yours is in some ways. So um, it's, it's a need because more people need to hear about the struggle from people who are in it with them, rubbing shoulders with them. So um, I, I think that if people, I guess to, to sum it up, I would just say that um, if the, the essential ingredient is life in life is really learning, you know, being able to learn well. If you can learn well, like there isn't really anything you can't accomplish in a lot of ways. So, wow. Yeah. No, 
And, and and that's I think that's where we ultimately fail. Speaking of failure, is when we yeah. feel like we've learned all we can. Um, and mm. the interesting thing you bring up with learning um, academically is, so I, I was always, um, um, you know, like in the top tier. I wasn't the smartest, but I I was right there. Like you know, if if you had like top ten, I'll be like you know fifth to tenth. You know, yeah, out there. So I but I you know I also play sports, but I wasn't like the. <clears throat> Smartest, but I was above average. And a lot of times, um, you know, that, that allowed me to, <clears throat> well, I have a, uh, <coughs> hold on. <laughs> this, this is about to be a great point. <coughs> um, sorry about that. So a lot of times what that allowed me to, to be in a position of was I, I saw a lot of C students and B students as well as, as A students. And I, I was someone that, you know, like to experience life. So, because I, I was always trying to be a speaker, trying to get into leadership. And as I grew older, I've realized that sometimes when we force people to learn one type of way, um, we, we actually stunt their growth to learn, you know, to the optimal level that they can. You know, many times mm-hmm. now, as I'm in, I, you know, I'm in my late 20s now, and people will always say, How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You know, the people that I always looked up to as the smartest who always come up to me and say, I envy you. And I'm like, what do you envy? You like, you got like into Harvard and everything, every, you know, you had all the grades, but they're like, no, you got to experience a full life. And I thought that this was all that there was to life to get the A's and mm. to get the, to make sure I got into the right school. But as, as I've gotten out of college, I realized that there's way much more to, to life than there is. And so it just mm. makes me understand that the learning process isn't, um, just one way. Right. Uh, and sometimes when teachers or parents um, maybe shame you for not learning a, a particular way, you might just be missing out on the on the point that maybe there's another way that person needs to learn. It's just a perspective that I've, I've gotten. Yeah, yeah. It's it's crazy. There's so many good quotes on it, too, you know, and, and one of them that I love is um, by the Tao Te Ching. 
And he says, the further one goes, the less one knows. Yeah. And I think that's the point is like the more that we grow in our knowledge and understanding and self-awareness and life experiences are all part of learning for sure. We start seeing that like our knowledge is limited and really there's always going to be a lot more than we personally know. And, and there's a lot of different perspectives in our own. And so we kind of hold it less and less tightly um the the more we learn because it just that's that's part of what being like knowledge and and wise is to know that you don't know it all (laughs) yeah Yeah. no that's true that's true so since we don't know it all and you have a quarter-life perspective um talk to me about why you wrote this book uh from here to there what was your overall mission man it was it was an interesting story so it started out um, in January of 2017. I was on a plane um, flying to Bangkok, Thailand, and it was for the the Asian tour qualifier. Um, and I had been on recovery from my rehab of the third cycle of injury, and I kind of felt it tweak a little bit right before I had left. And so I pretty much knew in my gut, in my heart, that I wasn't going to be able to compete, but I was going to give it a shot as as best as I could. And on the plane, I was thinking about, well, planes, first of all, are great because they give you a, it, it's crazy. I, I, you, I, would get, I would be interested to hear your perspective on this, but I think with planes, they kick your subconscious into high, like overdrive because it's putting you literally, you know, 50,000 feet in the air or however tall it is and it gives you that perspective to think laterally that we don't normally get so I, d- I have some of my best thinking on a plane do you, do you experience that as well yeah actually a lot of my best thinking comes in in transient moments so um, I live in New York City as I was saying before we recorded so subway walk in um, and just moments where I don't necessarily have to talk a lot or I'm in, I'm in en route to somewhere. So, and, yeah. and on your on my path to mastery, speaking to your book, I, the first thing that I figured out after, you know, understanding self-awareness was I needed to figure out my optimal learning style. And I learned pretty quickly that the way I learn more and quickest is when I'm listening to something or watching something. I read a lot as well, but so I optimize a lot of my reading to be audiobooks and a lot of, you know, things that I do late at night to, to fit, you know, the visual preferences. And so if I'm in a train or in a subway, I just listen to stuff. If I'm walking, I listen to stuff. If I'm on, on, mm. on the, on the plane, I do the same thing or I save a few videos that I know that I have a few moments of solitude. So, um, yeah, I, I think for me, it's a combination of, yes, the plane allows me to, to rest my subconscious, but it also, I needed to consciously know what my learning style was so that whenever that subconscious kicked in, I'd be like, oh, psh, there it is. So, yes, yeah. I love it. I know. It's cool. The subconscious is such a powerful tool. There's a great book called, um, um, oh, what is it called? I have it on my bookshelf. It's um, Strangers to Ourselves, and it's Understanding the Adaptive Subconscious. So yeah. uh, that's a good resource. But Anyways, um, I was on the plane flying to Thailand. I knew I wasn't going to be able to compete in my heart. And I was thinking about how can I repay my investors for the gift that they've given me in being able to pursue professional golf. 
So I had a team of investors that sponsored um, my business of playing professional golf. And I didn't know with the injury if I'd ever be able to repay them financially. And so I was thinking of ways that I could. And I was like, man, it'd be cool to write a book about what this journey has taught me. And so I just started drafting out. I always think first by titles for some reason. That's kind of my first vein of thought. So I wrote down, you know, spent an hour thinking about it, wrote down 20, 30 titles and kind of left it at that. I didn't get up to, I ended up having withdraw from the tournament and spent two weeks in Thailand by myself with no agenda, which is also a very growing experience. Um, if anyone wants to learn a lot about themselves, spend two weeks in a foreign country by yourself and you will learn a lot for sure. Um, so come fast forward uh, till April in 2017, I was on another injury recovery cycle and I was in Kansas and I just saw that God was giving me a window and I was like, I'm going to use this time to start writing this book. And so I spent a month trying to figure out what it was about. I was reading everything I'd written so far, try to figure out what the book, like what the theme was, what the subject would be, the topic. And from that time, I just decided I needed to start writing. So I spent two or three months puking out the first draft and, um, and it's been, you know, 18 months in the making now. So it's a long process, but, um, what started out as a book mainly about golf and how golf teaches you about life, it really turned into a book about life itself and about the pursuit of mastery, like you mentioned. And, and, and the goal of it is to say, um, this is my 25 year old's perspective, right? This is when I, I wrote it when I was 25. So, um, this is my 25 year old's perspective. So take it as that. It's not, it's not saying that I claim to know it all, but it's saying that this is what I've learned and this is what can be helpful to you from this perspective, um, on the path to mastery. So it really is, um, the lessons that playing golf my whole life, but specifically professionally, what they revealed to me about pursuing excellence in any field. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that's, at, you know, applicable to any field. Uh, I love that you said that, you know, initially started off with golf, but, you know, whether it's you want to be a great coder, great speaker, great podcaster, it's the same thing. You do have to, you know, put yourself into that position where, um, you know, you're pursuing excellence and, and you're, you're traveling down the road where others might have, might have mastered before. Like you, you said, you brought up Tim Ferriss when you were talking about podcasts. I imagine you studied him as you were launching yours. And I'm sure you did that with a lot of golfers as well. And so anyone thinking about what it is that they want to do, you know, you have to know where here is first and then you can get to there. Yeah, totally. And, and it really is too based off of this phrase. Have you ever heard the phrase, Simplicity on the far side of complexity? Um, no, I haven't. So I came across it. I don't know, remember where, but it was a phrase that really struck me because it's, it's really, uh, no pun intended, a simple phrase, right? But it has a pretty deep meaning to it. And what it's referring to is mastery. It's saying that mastery is simplicity on the far side of complexity and and really what that's meaning is you understand when when you're a master of a subject you understand the ocean of complexity that is involved with the thing that you're doing right yeah. in golf like there's endless facets to the game of golf and there's endless facets to each component of golf you have 14 clubs in the bag and with those 14 clubs you're 
hitting hundreds of different types of shots with each club. And so not only that, but there's hundreds of different lies and grasses and wind types and situations that you have to be aware of. So there's a sea of complexity. Um, and, and what mastery is, is being able to, to see the sea of complexity and to pick out that one piece that is perfectly applied to that situation and then to perform that out, right? And, and that's what mastery is even in a, in a business or in an information or any of those subjects. You look at, you know, Einstein or these men that were incredible masters of their field. And, and they're so, they're so, um, they have such a good grasp of that area, that arena that they can take that, that sea of complexity and break it down into the simplistic form that a six year old can understand. And that's really what simplicity on the far side of complexity is getting at. And so the book kind of follows that theme as well. So you basically, you're breaking down complex things into simple um, explanations and, um, you know, giving people, I guess, a, a platform to be able to do that for themselves. Yeah. And, and really, I think that the, the development process, it, it follows that mold of simplicity, complexity, simplicity. Because if you say simplicity on the far side of complexity, what you're inferring too is that simplicity is on the near side of complexity as well. And so it's like learning anything in skill development. Say, um, say we're going to play basketball, right? And we've never played basketball before. Well, you need to know that there's a basketball that you bounce and that you dribble and that these are the rules and that this is the hoop that you try to get it in. And this is worth two points, you know? So there's a simple, simple parts of the game. And then you start adding the complexity of plays and teammates and roles and and form and um, different types of shots and and you and you spend a lot of time in that complexity phase and then you get finally into the simplicity and the far side of complexity where um, you're able to perform when all the pressure's on and pull out the right play the right the right shot um, the right form all those things combine and merge to to make that excellence of whatever the performance is so so the book does follow those two and it provides at the end of the day it's providing mental models or frameworks for traveling down the road more efficiently and effectively because i really do believe this is a road that we all travel on um, in any field in any pursuit and then if we have the information the models the frameworks to operate under we're going to be able to, to walk down that road faster and better it's not that we we have shortcuts, right? There's no such thing as shortcuts. <laughs> mm. It's just about running down the road faster than the next guy, you know? Like, that's part of it. So, and, and that's kind of the goal of the book. Right, right. Um, and where can people find this book? So, it's going to be available on thanemarcus.com, which is my website, and it's also going to be up on Amazon. It's launching um, at the start of, of October here. So, yeah. it's coming up. It's It's been, uh, it's been a, I'm just, I'm going to be so excited to finally hold it in my hands, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, the, the podcast will be out by the time the book is out. Is out so I'll make sure I put that in the show notes. Uh, but I really, I really, really, I love what you have to say because, um, it, I don't know. I always, you know, when I hear people like you talk about what you've done, you've done it across the sports world, you do it across business now, and as a thought leader, I'm always curious about where you draw inspiration from where people like you draw inspiration. Who were your heroes? Who did you observe while you were coming up? Mm, man. 
you know, it's there. I am a guy who is inspired by so many things and so many people in so many places. I think the ultimate um, inspiration for me is I'm a, I'm a Christian. So my ultimate inspiration is Jesus Christ and what he's done for me from God's word. And so that's my core identity. That's my purpose. That's my why is living for him. And Romans eleven thirty six is really my uh, life verse, which is for from him, through him, and to him are all things. So I try to keep that in front of me every day. Um, but on a on a world level, on an earthly level, um, man, dude, I I love any any elite performer or mind in any space. To be honest, I my whole life, I whatever I was watching on TV, I wanted to go play. Um, and I get so inspired by watching any athlete at the top level um, play their best. You know, growing up, obviously, in the Tiger Woods era, Tiger Woods was, I, you can't ask for a better inspiration than him. Um, one of the greatest of all time and getting to watch him compete and dominate for so long was incredible. And then, and then, you know, as I've transitioned now into kind of a different sphere, I'm still very much inspired by, I, I, I guess it's harder for me to watch golf now because I get jealous pretty fast. <laughs> I'm like, man, I want to be back there. But, um, but, uh, the, you know, guys like, like I mentioned, Tim Ferriss, Ben Greenfield, people on many different aspects that are thought leaders that are pushing themselves, um, consuming their resources. Um, and then really just reading. I, I, I'm, uh, an avid reader and I try to consume as much as I possibly can. So I think there's, there's people that I look to, um, that are leaders in their field. There's people that I look to in history. I mean, I don't want to learn just from the current generation. I want to learn from people that came before because, um, there really isn't anything new under the sun and seeing their perspective from a different culture, but the same reality of, of human existence is so helpful. Um, and, and then there's also people I look to in my, in my, in my current sphere of life that, um, that I rub shoulders with, you know, that I'm, I'm, that I'm friends with, that I'm, that the people that are in my circle, in a sense, um, there's people there that are maybe a few steps ahead of me or maybe more competent in this area. And those are people that I draw from relationally too, for inspiration, um, and motivation because really, you know, we, we need each other. We're, we're created as relational beings. And so we need each other for, for inspiration, for support, um, for community and, and using that, not using that is really foolish. So I really want to strive to, um, surround myself with people that are also striving to be, um, who God's called and created and equipped them to be. Yeah. Well, for question, um, why don't you just, you know, golf is a sport. Anyone can play until like they're older. So you can still go back. Totally, man. No, I, I know. I'm with you. It's it's funny. I you know, I found myself this last year entertaining that thought a little bit. Um, and it's not a bad thought, but I will say, um, having experienced what it takes um, to, to make it, uh, the sacrifice it takes to pursue that, um, it... It doesn't just happen, you know, and, and it is, it's easy for me to think about it now. And, and it, that I, I just know that, um, it, it doesn't happen by chance and it doesn't happen overnight. And the commitment and sacrifice it would take to get back there is hefty. And so for me to actually pursue it again 
would be a big decision and a big commitment. And I'm not going to completely say that'll never happen, but I'm also um, not naive enough anymore to, to think that I can just hop back in and, and be there. Um, so it is, it, it would be awesome. I'm not going to say never again, but I am, I am thankful that I get to play the game of golf um, the rest of my life for fun. And uh, that's, that's what I am really grateful for as well. All right. No, I mean, there's that self-awareness working on again. Um, When it's all said and done, uh, Thane, what do you want to be remembered for? Hmm. You know, I want to be remembered for um, being a guy, being a man who um, lived with an eternal purpose um, that um, loved others well and that... um, did his best to um, fulfill the calling on his life. And, and really um, what I think that is now is, is going to change in the future. You know, that's, that's what living is. Uh, there's a quote by uh, Muhammad Ali that said, the man that views himself the same at age 50 as he did at age 20 wasted 30 years of his life. Absolutely. And, um, and so constantly growing, constantly learning, those are things that I always want to um, be involved in my life. And um, and I think that if I can live and, and learn and love others well um, and do it all for the Lord, then it'll be a, a success. All right. Well, look at you. If, if we're talking to uh, Thane Marcus, who is um, he is someone that does a lot of things, strategic development, consulting, coaching. Um, he's also a master creator. But if you want to talk golf, He's happy to talk golf with you as well as uh, coffee. <laughs> uh, mm. uh, but, uh, you know, I, I'm very, very um, um, honored to share these last few minutes with you because uh, it's always interesting hearing the perspective of someone who has a vision for what the future would be and is committed to making sure that he gets there right now. I, mean, I think a lot of times mm. there's that disconnect where people can put out a vision, but they're not doing the work or they're not aware of the work they need to do. And the book that you have from here to there is really about filling in that gap. And that's a lot of what life is about. Mm, yeah, I love it. I'd love to hear, Ty, what, uh, what, how you would answer that question. What do you want to be remembered by? Well, I want to be remembered as someone who inspired people to be themselves. Um, I think mm. we, we live in a world that likes to tell us um, who we should be and who we are, right? And, you know, this leads to the question I'm going to ask you. My, my mission statement is use your difference to make a difference. And the reason I do anything uh, is to understand and celebrate diversity, but also allow people to celebrate what it is that their inner calling is. You know, Oprah says she's come to believe that each of us has a calling that's as unique as a fingerprint. And, and mm-hmm. then, um, in order for us to succeed, we have to heed to that calling and uh, offer that in the, for, in the form of service. And that's ultimately what I like to do. Uh, I think um, a skill set I have is to tell stories and get people to tell um, underrepresented stories. And um, I think by doing that, um, I'll be a happy man. <laughs> I love it. That's cool, man. Thank that's you. exciting. Thank you. Thank you. What about, so final question, how do you use your difference to make a difference? Mm. So it was the game of golf and now it is um inspiring and empowering others to live well um and really i think the two the two fundamentals of that are taking ownership and never settling 
Um, if you can take ownership uh, for your life, for your choices, for your responsibilities, for your direction, for your trajectory, and if you can never settle for less than what you're capable of, or um, less than what you've, how you've been created to do or be, um, then then that is how we have human and societal progress. Um, is when every individual can can take ownership of those two aspects of their lives, um, and that's how we move the needle forward. And, and I do believe fully that. The younger generation's job, their role, is always to be the ones who are idealistic and pushing for change. That's our role. And obviously, when we learn, when we live life and go through life, um, life never really stacks up to our expectations. And so there's a there's a there's a vein of cynicism that creeps in, and as it should. Um, but I think before that happens, we need to have the idealistic mindset to push for progress and change and, and really be the change that you want to see in the world um, to promote human flourishing. Yeah, yeah, that's that's no, I completely agree. Uh, and thanks for that reminder. I think, you know, sometimes the the best things in life are, are really simple reminders, you know, reminders mm. of our greatness, reminders of our purpose, reminders of, hey, just breathe. Okay. Yeah. This is the most basic Seriously. thing. Seriously. Just breathe. And, it's, and, and think about, think about the situation. So we've been talking to Thane Marcus of ThaneMarcus.com. Is that correct? Yeah. You got it, man. ThaneMarcus.com. The, the book from here to there, uh, a quarter live perspective on the path to mastery will be out by the time this podcast is out on Amazon, mm-hmm. on his website, ThaneMarcus.com. Put that in the show notes. I really want to thank you for spending time with us. It's been, uh, it's been a real pleasure. Thanks so much, Tayo, and uh, it, was, it was a blast. The pleasure was all mine. All right. Uh, look forward to, to, to following your journey. But till next time, ladies and gentlemen, use your difference to make a difference. You've just been listening to the As Told by Nomads podcast. For more ways to reach out to Tayo and to use your difference to make a difference, head over to www.tayoroxon.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.